Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in for Bearcat Rewind. We have another exciting edition of our podcast. Last time, we spoke with Deshaun Cooper, one of the first recruits at Northwest Missouri State under head coach Ben McCollum, got here in 2009. And today, we have another guy that came to Northwest as part of Coach Mack's first recruiting class. St. Joe native Bryson Williams went from the green and white of Lafayette High School to the green and white of Northwest Missouri State University. Bryston was huge in helping Bearcat basketball reach the new heights that we currently see. He was a great leader, a great defender, but could really flip the switch and score when he needed to. The game that really sticks out in my mind from that regard, 2013 MIAA Tournament Championship game. Uh, the Bearcats injury plagued at the time, and he went off. I think he finished 27 points, hit some big shots, helped force overtime in that game. And the Bearcats came up just short in OT of winning that MIAA Tournament title, but of course, would return back in 2014. They won the MIAA regular season that year and went all the way to the Sweet 16 during Bryson's senior season. So a great ball player for Northwest Missouri State, and now he's an assistant coach for the Detroit Pistons in the NBA. Before we get rolling with the interview, we need to let you know that Bearcat Rewind is brought to you by the Northwest Foundation, providing support for the Northwest Alumni Association and the university's funding needs since 1971. More information is available on Facebook or online at nwmissouri.edu slash alumni. And Mosaic Medical Center Maryville. Mosaic provides orthopedics and sports medicine services. For more information, mymosaiclifecare.org slash sports. We spoke with Bryson about working for the Pistons, what it was like in the association as COVID-19 began to spread. He also tells us the story of how he landed a job with the Pistons not long after rejoining the Northwest coaching staff. And of course, we hear from him on his playing days at Northwest. Bryson Williams is our guest on this edition of Bearcat Rewind. Well, pleased to be joined today by Bryson Williams, a former Northwest Missouri State Bearcat, now making it big in the NBA, an assistant coach and working uh, player development side with the Detroit Pistons. Bryson, we really appreciate your time and and you coming on to talk with us. Uh, Of course, weird times here with the NBA not actually being played right now, the season on hold due to the coronavirus, but how are you feeling and how's your family there in Detroit? Um. So far, uh, really well. Uh, first off, I want to say thank you guys for having me on uh, and reaching out to me. I'm always great to uh, talk to people, you know, from back in college and Bearcat land, uh, the area that built me. <laughs> um, but no doubt this time has been crazy right now. Uh, you know, everybody's just kind of trying to stay safe uh, and take the right precautions uh, of moving forward with this whole deal. And, you know, with the family aspect, I think it's kind of a blessing in disguise with being able to spend the amount of time that we're able to do right now with our families, wives, loved ones, uh, you know, kids and, and things like that, where you don't get this on a, you know, daily or weekly basis. So this is probably the only time that I'll get to spend this amount of time at, in one stretch uh, with my family up here. So. You know, I just try to look at it as a positive um, and take some good things out of this as, you know, we move forward with this situation. And yeah, I guess that's really all you can do right now is to be able <laughs> yeah. to spend time with family and, and uh, do what you can at, at this particular moment. But um, as you're going through, and, and I know for, for our end, you know, we were kind of preparing for the NCAA Central Region Tournament here in Maryville, then all of a sudden a lot of news starts to break and it feels like that big first domino to fall was Rudy Gobert Gobert, um, being diagnosed with coronavirus. Where were you guys at the time? How did that hit the team? And and was there that level of fear that, wow, this might be a little bit bit more than we realized? 
Yeah, so it's very interesting with us because we just beat Utah. I want to like four days before that came out. So we played Utah, then we had a East Coast trip where we went to New York and played the Knicks, and then to Philadelphia. Well, in the middle of the game, I want to say about the third quarter, the news came out about Gobert. And, you know, so with us just playing those guys, you know, we, as the medical and our organization, was kind of like, you know, quotations, high risk because we just were around him. Uh, and so it, it kind of got to a weird situation where medical, you know, said something on the bench and uh, it was just kind of moving forward. How do we handle this? <laughs> and so, you know, in the middle of a game, everybody just kind of gets a little, uh, not player-wise, but just, you know, the organization, you just, you know, you're kind of hearing things being said and, you know, he's got it. Well, what does that mean for us? Just because of all the unknowns, you know, people were just very, like, suspicious of what's going to happen. So, you know, after the game in Philadelphia, we have uh, a conference call with the organization, basically, and the team, the whole travel party uh, of just, you know, how to kind of handle yourself uh, as we get home. You know, if you got to stay uh, in a hotel, if there's anything, you know, keep your distance until we find out more was kind of just our deal of, you know, process going forward and just do the best you can to obviously do all the things that we've been talking about lately with, you know, staying clean, washing your hands, social distancing and stuff like that. So it's just very interesting. And, uh, as that time occurred, you know, it's, it's sad the way this has kind of happened, and, and I think Rudy Gobert has kind of become um, a villain in the NBA just for this and kind of how it was is handled on his part there for a little yeah. bit. But you kind of think about it, um, over the course of all this, had that not gone down the way it did, there's a good chance that all these tournaments happen, a lot more games are played, and then maybe it is spread a whole lot more rapidly throughout the United States. So you talk about a Correct. blessing in disguise. Maybe this actually was it if you kind of look at it from that perspective. No doubt. I agree with you 100%. Um, you know, because if, if that don't happen, like you said, all these tournaments go on, people still get around each other, and now who knows how many more people get affected by this. Um, so overall, I think, you know, people may be upset or frustrated how Gobert handled it, handled it, the situation. But I also agree that, you know, if he, if you think you have something, you're not going to do that. Like if you, if I feel I have, I'm sick or I do have a virus, I'm not going to go around and kind of do some of the things, you know, that he was seen doing. So, you know, I, I think he was just, he felt fine. There was no symptoms. There was no, uh, anything with him at that time. So, you know, I, I don't think, you know, he meant to do it by any means or any of that. So, but I agree 100% that, you know, it saved, it could have uh, helped just us as a nation and country for sure. And we're talking with Bryson Williams here on Bearcat Rewind. And all right, so we've got kind of that negative, depressing side out of the way, Bryson. Let's <laughs> let's talk about something that's a little bit more exciting, especially here from the Bearcat side to see uh, someone like yourself that came through Northwest Missouri State, a great athlete. 
but now you're working in the NBA amongst uh, some of the greatest athletes in the world. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you're two with the Pistons. What has this whole thing been like, aside of COVID, from COVID-19, but to be amongst uh, just uh, the amazing players and, and the great basketball that you're seeing night in and night out? Yes, um, man. There's a lot of situations that are different and a lot of uh, things that I have learned since I've been here with the Pistons. Uh, you know, coming from the college, being a grad assistant level, and coming to the NBA, you know, there's just so many more different things, like, and a lot of aspects of just, you know, number one, adapting to the schedule. You have 82 games a year um, where in college you're going to probably have 30 to 32 a year right so in just these last two years you're playing 164 games so the preparation every day is just a lot more um, and you always have to prepare for something where in college you know you're going to play maybe it's Thursday and Saturday Friday and Saturday whatever it is two days a week and you're going to play you know 60 to 64 games over two years span. So it's going to take, you know, five years or so to even match the preparation aspect to the NBA season. So just from that aspect, um, the experience you get in the NBA is incredible because you have to always keep learning. You have to always watch games. You have to prepare this player for you know, Phoenix one night on Monday and then understand we're about to, after this game, we're flying to San Francisco and we got to play Golden State. Like, so there's just always um, repetition that you get on the coaching aspect and as a player development uh, side of things. And, you know, being at this level, getting to see some of the top pros, their work ethic, how they handle themselves day in and day out, is something that, you know, just kind of, it's really remarkable and it's amazing to me uh, to see that process that some of these guys go through. You know, being here this year with Derrick Rose, uh, Blake Griffin, you know, those two just in particular off the top of my head, Langston Galloway, their preparation every day to come in early, get their, uh, you know, treatment, get massages, uh, lifting, on-court work, just the everyday um, routine and habits are, are amazing and just how they take care of their bodies. And, and you kind of see why they're at where they are in their careers. Um, so, you know, th- those are just a few things along with, you know, outside of the just skill and talent on the court <laughs> that they obviously have that has been really, really uh, a great experience for me. But, and you kind of hit on it there, too. I mean, we, we watch these college games, and it, it gets into the 30 games per year approximately. Of course, last year, um, a few more for the Bearcats ended up playing, uh, what, 38 overall, I think, which yeah. uh, which ended up being a record for wins in a season. But you think about that, and we kind of talked during a broadcast about, you know, a guy might be beat up in the workload and this and that and what they're mm-hmm. carrying on. But, man, then you think... 82 games and you're banging against guys that are, you know, yeah. six feet nine, six feet ten that weigh close to 300 pounds. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about the physical toll that that takes. Yeah. And, uh, 
I know a lot of people will look at it and say, yeah, they play basketball for a living. They've got it easy. But um, just the amount of work, like you said, to keep their bodies healthy, but then to mm-hmm. have that mental aspect night in, night out. Are they preparing for multiple games at one time, or is that just yourself that's kind of getting ready for, you know, we've got this, this, and this on the schedule, but the players are just kind of worrying about this is what I need to do. This is our next game. I'll worry about that next one and get prepared with the coach after we complete this 40 minutes of basketball. So kind of, you know, my approach is, number one, you got to go game by game. Um, At any level, I don't care where you're at, if you overlook an opponent, and that's why I think a lot of upsets happen, you know, in college, uh, especially where you overlook this opponent, for example, say for us, uh, you know, you got to play Atlanta Hawks one night, you know, very talented team, unbelievable. When you look at their record, may not show um, a lot of their talent that they have. But you look past, you know, you have Atlanta on Monday, and then Tuesday you have Philadelphia. Well, if you overlook Atlanta, you will be beat at any moment in this league and I believe in college also. You can never overlook. So my thing is obviously one game at a time. Um, Now, my biggest thing with getting our players prepared is I got to do my homework and see, okay, what worked versus Atlanta. You know, we're going to look at this game film. What? How did they guard you? What did they do? What things did you do that um, was efficient? What things did I feel was like, ah, you know, we need to get better in this aspect or that aspect, whatever it is, because like every league, all these coaches are watching film. And if something works, most likely that next opponent is probably thinking like, ah, can we add this? Can we incorporate something? And, you know, say we struggled with uh, teams blitzing uh, or trapping a ball screen. Well, then the next opponent, you're probably going to see a trap at some point. (laughs) So just preparing these guys what you may see this next game or how did they defend you last game or vice versa, you know, just giving strengths and weaknesses on offense and defense and preparing them for this upcoming game is my biggest thing. And then obviously going kind of off season stuff will be more individual work. Working with the Pistons right now and previously working in the G league as well. I believe the last G league team uh, that you're with were the Memphis Grizzlies, but uh, Mm -hmm. at one time you were signed up, you were going to be an assistant basketball coach for Ben McCollum at Northwest Missouri state university and make that return to Maryville. Uh, Can you talk us through, uh, how you ended up in the NBA and how that opportunity came about and, and what Ben McComb told you whenever you got that chance to make that move. <laughs> uh, yeah, so when I came from the G League, um, or when I was in the G League with the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, you know, Austin Meyer took over the women's job, so that left an assistant coach spot open for Ben McCollum. And, you know, once that became open... I was very interested in that just because of what coach Mack has done for me in my career. And as I was a player, you know, one thing that he does really well is he understands how players think, 
how they tick, uh, and kind of just how he he coaches in a way and builds relationships in a way where he has players their head and their hearts, their mind and their hearts, and that's how they get results. They believe in him. He believes in those guys, and when you put that together, you know, that's where it's special. And that's the bond he built with me as a player. Um, I always, you know, was very um, just kind of excited of, you know, things that he talked about and stuff like that. So kind of just moving forward, as that spot became open and that he had that assistant job, you know, I talked to my wife and, you know, I was like, hey, what do you think? I talked to Mac uh, multiple times because, you know, he was just making sure, like, hey, are you sure you want to leave the NBA or the professional game? Like, you know, make sure this is what you truly want. And that's, and you know, again, that's something that you, as a mentor that you have, you always want them to push you but let you kind of make your decision where it's not like, hey, you need to come with me. He wanted to make sure I'm making the right choice for my family, my career, you know, and that's, that's why I respect him so much. It's not just about, you know, he could have easily, oh, come with me, let's go, and just take me from that. But he always quite, hey, make sure this is what you want to do. And that's what any decision that I go to him with, and I still call him every day um, to this point. <laughs> um, so, you know, over time, this is what I wanted to do. So, Eventually, everything kind of gets settled. Um, I was lucky, got chose. Uh, and as I get to Northwest, I start recruiting for, like, I want to say two to three months. And uh, and I'm all in. I'm recruiting. I'm all in with Mac, trying to get this thing uh, rolling again uh, from my end and just learning that college game uh, recruiting-wise and stuff like that. And then I want to say Three months into it, the GM that was at with the Grizzlies, Ed Stravansky, he takes over in Detroit. And so, you know, as he gets in Detroit, he gives me a call and was like, hey, I know you're with your guy. Um, I just took over in Detroit. Uh, I would love to have you come with me if you're interested. <laughs> so... I'm like, all right, well, let me get with uh, Coach Mack, you know, because I, I told Coach Mack, if I come, I'm all in. And so as I go to Coach Mack, and this was very hard for me to go to Coach Mack because this is my mentor. I told him, like, hey, I'm all in on you. Like, if I come, I'm coming. And so, <laughs> you know, I go to Mack. I'm like, hey, the Detroit Pistons called. They're wanting me to be uh, an assistant with them. You know, and he's like, well, what's, what does it all entail? So I'm like, I don't know. I just wanted to check with you first before I dig deep into it. Like, I'm not trying to go behind your back, trying to take another job. I just want to come to you and, hey, what's the right way to handle this, basically? Um, and he was just kind of like, hey, we'll find out. He's, he's like, it's not like you're reaching out and trying to leave and trying to do things. They reach out to you. So, you know, respect it. Just see what they're offering, what they're wanting. I was like, okay. So I called. Ed back and I'm like hey you know I'm with my guy if it's with the G League and, and no offense to any level anything it was just like you know 
because I respect every co- – I don't care what level you're at. Um, I respect all coaching. And I was just, you know, I was just telling Ed, like, I can't be in a G League assistant because I just left that. Like, there, you know, I just left that. that. Why would I go back to being a G League assistant? Now if I'm going to be with the, you know, the Pistons, an assistant with the Pistons, things like that, then we can talk. But I'm not, I told my guy I'm with him, and I'm not going to leave just to say I'm in the NBA. That's not why I coach. And so Ed's like, okay, let me give you a call back. Let me put some stuff together and see what your thoughts are. I said, all right. So probably like two days later, he, Ed calls and was like, hey, we're going to offer you assistant coach, this, this, and this. You know, you'll travel, you're a true assistant, and you'll be working with guys in development, player player development coach. I go back to Mac. <laughs> so I go to Mac, and I'm like, hey, this is what they're offering. This is, you know, the situation. And he says, Mac tells me, he's like, well, he said, you know, this is kind of a once-in-a-lifetime offer. He said, so you're fired. You might want to start looking for a job. <laughs> <laughs> and from there, that's how I, uh, you know, I called Ed and told him I accepted. That's that's Max for you. That That's, you know, he always wants the best for his people. And he'll always look out for you. He's not, that's that's what makes him so unselfish. Well, that, that's that great, aspect. too, just <laughs> having yeah. a fire get there on the spot to get you to take that other job, he, too. <laughs> he said, well, you're fired. So uh, you might want to start looking for a job, and that's, <laughs> so that's how I ended up here in Detroit uh, after coming to Maryville for like a few months. Well, it's so cool to see too where you're at right now and where you're still going. But you, know, you think back, a guy that was on the north side of St. Joe playing, uh, you know, high school basketball for Chris Neff, and really, I, I know we've had previous Lafayette guys end up at Northwest Missouri State, but the current pipeline from yourself to Xavier Kerr to Diego Bernard. Um, you kind of started this current pipeline that we had. And whenever you look back on it, are Chris Neff and Ben McCollum, are there some similarities there between what those guys bring as coaches? Uh, fire. They're, they're going to coach you hard. Um, they always want the best for you, number one. Uh, number two, they're going to coach you hard. It's not about um, – they want you to truly be the best you can possibly be. You know, and that's all you can ask for in a coach. You know, good is just not good enough. Like, you have greatness kind of inside you, and that's what we're going to get to. We're not, you know, okay, yeah, that was good. That was average. No. And so that aspect of we're going to push you every day uh, in practice, conditioning, workouts, games, it don't matter what it is. It's kind of that mentality of, it wasn't good enough. <laughs> and at the same time, they're going to love you, though. They're going to be someone that you can truly trust. You can go to and talk anything, basketball, coaching, life, any question you have, and you can go to those guys. And that's kind of, for me, what was like makes those guys special, for sure. In great basketball minds, I will say the one edge – that coach neff does have is he's got that great mane of hair and coach mack is <laughs> not hanging on to it as well <laughs> hey, no doubt when when neff runs his fingers through that hair it's, uh-oh you better get ready <laughs> <laughs> one thing i want to ask you about too was uh you're at northwest and i think it was after your first year 
you still have that little bit of an itch, and I get two sport guys that played at a high level like yourself get it. You uh, briefly have a hiatus. You end up at Peru State for football, but then you come back to Northwest. Can you talk about that experience and, and what that was like to go dip your toe back in football and realize that you want to be back playing on basketball for uh, Northwest? Yes, yes. Uh, so with that story, you know, I, I think that was a turning point in my life, honestly. And for the good, bad, worse, whatever you want to call it, um, that, that's kind of just how my mind is. That's how I kind of go through life with, you know, coming out of high school, I love basketball. That, that was my first love. I was good at football and probably more talented just naturally at football, but my love was basketball. Um, I loved playing it. So, you know, coming out of high school, I chose Northwest for basketball. Love Coach Meyer, uh, Coach Mack, Peterson, those, uh, Coach Van Reed, all those guys when I first got there that recruited me and talked to me, loved those guys. And they were a big part of why I chose that school. Um, for basketball. So as I finished my freshman year, you know, I got the, the itch inside that kind of everybody, you know, maybe for some love that you had or something that kind of went away, it's just kind of, or you had football, but then you don't have it anymore. It's kind of like that, man, like that thought of what if I go play? Like, how good could I be? Just the wondering that that's the human nature. We always wonder what could have, what it might be. And, you know, I had that. It was one of those, like, man, like, I miss football, but, you know, how could I be? How good could I have been in football? You know, can you? Can I make the professionals? Can I play at a high level in college? And so once that football started coming in mind, I, I just kind of ran with it of, like, what if, the what if question, what if, um, and, you know, one day I came up with it. I was like, okay, I'm going. I'm going to go play. It had nothing to do with the school, the coaching, my teammates, anything. It was literally a drive inside of me saying, what if I go play? What could happen? And that's why I chose to go play football. Now, I think I didn't choose football in the right way. If I was going to leave, I should have. I think I chose the school of comfort with people that I knew instead of chasing the what if to be great. I chased the what if for like comfort. Let me just go play. Um, and so, you know, as I get to Peru, I find out, you know, the community is not the same of just, uh, engagement of you know when you go to stores you go to places everybody kind of talks to you and, hey knows you this and that um your coaches every day i'm in at northwest i'm in you know coach max office i'm talking to these assistants in the office every day i get to peru none of that it's hey what's going on let's go to practice go home come to practice go home come practice go home. and that was kind of the routine it was just kind of like dang like you guys even want me here <laughs> and so that was a big eye-opening experience to go see something that you thought was going to be bigger or better than what, you know, in your mind you think, oh, yeah, I like this, I want to do this. And then it's kind of the – and Coach Mack actually told me this before I made my decision when I was talking to him. He said, you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And I'll never forget that because 
it really wasn't. <laughs> you know, the, the thing I found out is the grass is greener where you water, where your mind is, where you are present, you know, where you're putting your energy to, into, where what you think is important in your life. Wherever you put that energy into, that's where the grass is going to be greener. And at that moment when I chose to transfer, I had I was watering that what if of football. And that's what made me choose that. But, you know, obviously that was a big-time, life-changing experience. Uh, you know, I, I was always told uh, at one time when I came back to Northwest, you know, I was trying to reach out to Mac, uh, reaching out to my parents. So, like, if I could ever come back, I would. You know, I don't know what has to happen, what needs to happen. I'm not. You guys may not want me back, uh, you know, but – if there's anything I could do, I would love to come back. And, you know, Mac said he had to go to his players. He had to make sure, hey, he had to ask them. He's like, it's really not up to me. It's, you know, team first mentality. Don't matter how good you are, it's going to be a team first. So I got to go ask my players, is it okay if you come back? What's the thoughts? Da, da, da. You know, and so at the end of the day, he said the players are okay with it, but you're not going to have a scholarship. Um, so he took that away. He said, everything's going to be earned. Nothing's given. You know, you're not, you know, I was starting as a freshman, uh, lost that. I lost my scholarship, basically kind of lost everything, but I seen how special it was there and how they were building me, uh, just as a person, as a man and things that I took for granted while I was there. And I was willing to say, I'll come for anything. I, I don't care if it's free. I don't care what it is. I'm coming back if you allow me. <laughs> and from that, I went back to Northwest and finished out my career and met some, did some great things and got to play with some great teammates. And now, you know, have friendships for life. And you get back in and you earn everything right back and and uh it's cool to see and especially being part of that 2014 team that uh got back to the sweet 16 and has started this run of you know seven straight miwa regular season titles that is still going today when you think about that group back in 2014 from the coaching staff to the guys that are around you and you know yourself and uh deshaun cooper and dylan starzel and tyler funk and, and so on Oh, How man. special was that group? Are there any specific games? And I don't don't want to even think about UCM and the Sweet 16, but there are games along the way that kind of stand out in your mind that are really huge for that program um, to get to the point we're at today. Oh, man. We had so many. Um, oh, there's so many special moments with that, that group. Um, and kind of building with them you know we started off it was kind of just that mindset of we knew we could be good and the number one thing is we had unbelievable our work ethic just as a team was really good um you know just hard nose bring energy practices were great intense and i honestly think practices were that's what made us great. Like there were certain games that made us better, but 
I think the everyday practice of going at each other and competing, competing. There's times I remember Tyler Funk and myself, like, we're going at it. We're about to fight each other, pushing each other, like talking, you know, just going at each other. And the next day it's going to be Tyler Funk and someone else. Deshaun Cooper talking to, you know, Dylan. Like, we pushed each other and competed so much in practice that I truly think games were just easier. And that's kind of the culture that I think has been that that kind of started everything. And I know a lot of people, and don't get me wrong, games are important. Games are, um, you can build from those. But the true identity, the habit, the culture is practice. And that's what I truly think is the main beneficial thing that we brought. Bryce and I told I'd keep you for fifteen or twenty minutes, and we're we're hitting the thirty minute mark. So I I apologize for oh, that. Oh no, I'm so, good. I'll, I'll have, I'm free. So <laughs> I enjoy this song for sure. Well, I, I want to get one more, and then I'll I'll let you go. But is there a a story or something from a bench, whether it was a player as a GA, whatever it was, that uh, a good Coach McCollum bench story, or he and Austin Meyer, Andy Peterson, those guys. Uh, I know it gets a little bit intense during games, so if you can kind of shed some light on one of those good stories from uh, your days here at Northwest. Oh, man. Oh, shoot. Um, <laughs> you know, I, there's so many little things that happen that with the Coach Mac. And because our coaching staff had such a great relationship with each other, um, you know, with Andy, um, Meyer, McCall, like Mac, they have such a great connection with each other. And anything, you know, it's like that best friend you can say anything to. So nothing was off the table. Like, ah, don't, I shouldn't say that. If they felt it, they're going to say it. And no matter how you take it, let's just talk about it. Um, you know, but they also had each other's back. <laughs> so, you know, in practice one day, just kind of cup my head, um, I believe we were playing like scrimmaging or five on five type setting. And I want to say Andy Peterson and someone else was refereeing. And we're so in practice and, you know, I kind of, Andy, Andy Peterson makes a call like against our team, my team. And, you know, I'm kind of not kind of upset. Like, come on, that's not a foul, this and that. And, you know, so the play keeps going. Or he calls the foul, we reset, things go on. Check the ball. Well, it happens again. He calls So I go back. I'm coming at Andy, you know, that's not a foul, this, da, da, da. Well, Coach Mack, he's kind of hearing the back end of it. You know, and his one thing is you never talk, talk back to my assistants. Like that's, as a player, you never talk back to them. You can talk back to him all you want but you do not talk to his assistant kind of any way like that, like going at him. And so he caught the back end of me questioning his call, like, come on, like, that ain't a fuck. And he's up at half court, we're on the baseline underneath the basket. <laughs> well, Deshaun Cooper's right beside me. So Deshaun's kind of like, he's trying to calm everything down, like, B, we good, we good. Well, Coach Mack, 
he sees us talking to Andy, Bryce, get up, run. So he, Matt tells me to run. <laughs> run. Just run. So I'm just running. Hey, he looks at Deshaun Cooper. Deshaun, you run with it. Go. So Deshaun's mad. Like, why am I running? <laughs> and so that just kind of shows that fiery, like, number one, don't talk back to my assistants. Number two, it's just kind of like that. We're not taking any, like, just play kind of that next play mentality and that that's just kind of that fiery that we had that you know this is how it is let's rock and but at the end of the day we're all good we're all friends and we're trying to we have the same goal of trying to win so it, it was a great experience it is fun to see the intensity come out there even the guys that are wearing suits on the bench during games and mm-hmm. one that I always thought that watching a play and and even as a GA that was always very mild-mannered and maybe said a little bit but not too much was Zach Schneider and then it seemed like this year I'd kind of look over a little bit more and Zach's as fired <laughs> up as any player that's out there on the floor and I'm like well, this isn't the guy that I saw win a national championship you know so no doubt he Zach he's he's unbelievable he really is he's a he's great at what he does he, he's bringing that. He fits them. That he's a he's the perfect fit of you know going to do things right, energetic, got to bring energy like you just said, and you know he he has that side for sure. Uh, I've seen it uh, playing with him, being around him a lot, and you know that that's what they're about. And you know the biggest thing with that fire that you'll see all of those guys in the suit have when you're at Northwest is they all believe and they understand, they believe that they can achieve what they're trying to accomplish, number one, and that the work that they put in, that, that, that that's what makes the fire so easy because you know you deserve it. You know, like, we deserve this. We put in the work. We put in the, the time that it's going to take. So, you know, that, that fire is just part of the, that culture. <laughs> Bryce, it was always great watching you play here at Northwest Missouri State. It was great having you around as an assistant coach, a GA, um, and now it's awesome to see you doing big things in the NBA and continuing to represent Northwest Missouri State and uh, in Northwest Missouri as a whole. So we really appreciate your time. Keep doing great stuff with the Pistons. Thank you, and I appreciate your time for reaching out. Thanks again to Bryson Williams for joining us on Bearcat Rewind. Really excited to see where he continues to go throughout his career and just a good guy to sit down and talk some basketball with. So we really appreciate him giving us a lot of time here this afternoon to chat. We appreciate everyone for listening to Bearcat Rewind. If you enjoyed this one, check out some of our previous podcasts. We had Deshaun Cooper on not too long ago. We spoke with Will Warren about the Northwest Missouri State 2019-2020 season that ended prematurely because of COVID-19, but still the Bearcats put up some really impressive records. And, of course, back in the fall, we also talked with players from the 1999 National Championship football team and the 2009 National Title football team as well. So plenty of Bearcat Rewind podcasts for you to go back through and search through. So check out some of those old podcasts, and please subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends about Bearcat Rewind. We really appreciate listening. I'm Matt Tritton. We will talk to you again next time.